0: Welcome back to another episode of Bed Talks. Um, Kay and I have really been working hard to keep everyone entertained during their quarantine, Um, trying to keep things light, bring some levity to the situation. As much Um, as possible. As much as possible. As (laughs) much as possible. So we've really been trying to bring on people who are doing things that are encouraging, inspiring, and helping people to cope during this time. So we're really excited to have a special guest today, Dr. Abby Lev. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, so just a little bit of background about Dr. and I hope I'm saying that correctly. Yes, um, you are. <laughs> perfect. She is a, a, a psycho, uh, psychotherapist. She specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy, and she helps individuals and couples break unhelpful patterns and develop healthier habits and improve all areas of their life. Can you tell us a little bit more about your practice? Yes. Um, I'm the director of the Bay Area CBT
1: Center and you can get more information about it on bayareacbtcenter.com and we have, we have a, a bunch of different clinicians there. We all do cognitive behavioral therapy which is a more active and direct approach to therapy where we use many tools uh, like mindfulness and emotion exposure and we Learn certain skills. We may do role plays. It's very experiential, and we might do thought logs. So, there's a lot of skills and tools. And we used to see people face to face, but now with this pandemic situation, we're mainly doing teletherapy and online therapy. So, we meet with clients virtually, kind of like this on Zoom. And I've also recently founded uh, CBT Online. So, CBTOnline.com has Many different CBT resources for people who are either looking for a therapist or who would like to do CBT on themselves without a therapist. You can find worksheets there and assertiveness training and nonviolent communication and tracking your own core beliefs and and how they impact you and in your life and in your relationships. So right now we're all cooped up at home and we may not have the same access Right to these types of resources, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, so I I thought it was important. Like people are feeling a little bit of angst around dating their relationships. I think it's either the quarantine is bringing people closer together, or it's making them go further apart, or we have moments because we're human and it's just not normal probably at this time and stage in our lives to be cooped up with someone. <laughs> 24 hours out the day, trying to work, homeschool, and do all the other things that uh, people have to do. So I said, like, right. so I said to Kay, we got to bring in a professional to help people out. <laughs> which is which is
2: good because I actually have a question. What do you find the difference between meeting with your your clients in person compared to video conferencing? I know people say, well, it's the same, you know, it's just digitally. But I like to think that you know when that human physical element is missing it is a difference. And I'm just curious, how how is it different with with you and what you guys do?
1: I I agree with you. I think that being with someone face to face in the same room just feels radically different. Mm -hmm. Uh, On one level, I'm very surprised at how effective it is. I had not done too much online therapy before this, and now I'm kind of forced into it so surprisingly I find that all of these a lot of work that I do is very experiential and involves moving or taking a piece of paper and putting it in front of your face with your thoughts and the fact that a lot of these strategies these these tools and exercises still work uh, on the computer is you know pleasantly surprising but certainly there's and it's hard to pinpoint but you miss, you miss the connection and the intimacy of actually being in front of someone and the energy and what that feels like. Right. And so for me personally, this will never be my norm, just mm-hmm. seeing people through a computer. It just mm-hmm. feels radically different.
0: Yeah, and I know there are ter- therapists out there that do have dabbled in the video um, counseling before, but you're right, it kind of took you guys to a different place. And I remember I was reading an article recently about how even, how even psychotherapists are feeling a little burnt out. Through this process of video to video to video to video of uh seeing their patients even though you guys are used to seeing people systematically you know back to back that it's a little bit more um taxing on you guys yeah yeah there is
1: something that's a little bit more tiring about being in front of a screen than seeing a person face to face. Yeah. M- much more tiring. It's really yeah. interesting.
0: And, and and I think the other part of quarantine, which is interesting, is that we kind of were social distancing ourselves by using our phones and technology before. But then when we were placed in this position of being forced to be quarantined from each other, the thing people are really craving the most is social interaction. So I thought that was kind of a good, you know, learning of everything that's happened, that we do value human connection and that it's really needed and it's really important. So the work you do is really vital for us and we appreciate that.
1: I I fully agree with you. I think that throughout this pandemic, if there's the number one thing that we've learned throughout all of this is that we do, humans do not do well in isolation. We really need one another. We're interdependent creatures. We're social creatures. And, you know, being in solitary confinement, even with one or two other people is still uh, extremely difficult for us.
0: Totally. We're not meant
1: to be this way at all.
0: Yeah. So leaning into this, you know, and being a therapist, what are you seeing as far as relationships are concerned? Like what? What trends are you seeing in the way people are relating to each other? How are you coaching people that may be in difficult situations or relationships to deal with each other? What are the things that you're seeing that are recurring?
1: Yeah, I'll say some things that I'm seeing, and if you have more questions in relation to uh, regarding single people as opposed to uh, partnered people if you if you want me to yeah to make if you could some segment dis- and distinguish- talk first
0: about singles and then maybe go on to partner people, that would be great. Sure. I think when it comes to dating, surprisingly, people are dating
1: a little bit more right now. People, again, because we're stuck, we're isolated, and we're in the middle of a crisis, right? When when we're in the middle of such a situation and a pandemic and a global crisis, we're all feeling more, more lonely, more isolated, more uncertain, and the unpredictability and sadness and irritability. All the things that come with this kind of trauma and grief actually make us yearn and crave more for intimacy, for connection, for affection, for all of the things that we basically can't have right now are harder to find right now. But I do find that people are craving, single people are dating more, they're craving relationships more, they're taking it a bit more seriously. Um, We know that modern dating has changed the way dating used to be. Um, I've never heard of terms like uh, benching or zombieing, ghosting, or catfishing. All of these terms that didn't used to exist before um, have all come about now that we're doing online dating, and technology is is a big part of dating. And so there's these new norms that have been built that are it could be a little a little dehumanizing for people, right? when you're kind of clicking and going, you know, right, right, left, left, it can be, you know, like you're in a grocery store rather than really seeing the the human beings. And so now that we are now that meeting up with another human being can be dangerous or it could be a threat, right? You have to wait two weeks of not doing anything if you want to to see another human being and be safe. Uh, Now that that's happening, Uh, people have a little bit more um, higher standards and expectations of who they are willing to meet in in real life, right? So people are taking it a little bit more seriously. They're taking it slower. Um, They're looking for qualities that are more than just physical attraction or chemistry, right? They're needing more substance because you're having more time to actually talk and get to know each other through a computer and not through right? Face to face. Yeah.
0: And don't you think there's some value to that? I I feel like um, back in the day (laughs) when people dated, they had to actually, you know, have conversation. They had to be creative about how they would date and any couple pretty much, you know, uh, a lot of times start off that way. They're very resourceful, very creative. But I think we got into kind of a pattern within society where we are really into instant gratification. So I feel like the quarantine is like the opposite of instant gratification. You have to take more time to think about who you're engaging with. You have to take more time to um, see, you know, you're really gonna see more of their substantive qualities. So the things that may have lured you in initially, when you don't have access to those things, you have to think totally differently about your dating, So how you date. So you had mentioned there's like a new norm. So, I mean, how does someone have a typical date now, like in quarantine? What have you seen in, or heard from uh, people that you might treat in your practice?
1: Well, I think that you're making a very good point, right? Like dating back in the day did involve a lot more of getting to know one another and talking for longer. It wasn't moving so quickly here. Nowadays, people, people want to know, you know, whether you're compatible or what, you know, on the first date, like just getting to the second date, they think that they know a lot about your compatibility and you actually don't, you need a lot, a lot of time to get to know someone. Um, And so and also your, your point about the creativity. People used to be a lot more creative with their dates. And I agree with you now in quarantine, people are also A, looking for more substance in the person and B, getting more creative with their dates. Uh, so there's a lot of Zoom dating and getting creative with either doing, you know, like playing certain games like Jackbox is a popular mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Or, um, or doing a happy hour or watching like a comedy show together or doing this live stream um, or playing poker. There's a lot more uh, and there's a lot of getting to know you type of games. So people are, A, getting a little bit more creative, but there's less of that distraction <laughs> that we used to have when we would go out on dates face-to-face where – there's, yeah, there's a lot of ways that you could go out with a person many times and still not necessarily get to know them or talk too deep with them. Now people have to talk a little bit more deeply and vulnerably yeah. before meeting in real life. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you pretty much see now what's up under the surface. That's really what it boils down to, you know, uh, their surface level ways of, of communication, and then they're under the surface level. Uh, you know, for guys, you know, of course, when we see a, a beautiful woman, that's surface level. That's what gets our attention. Now, what's going to keep our attention or vice versa, a woman sees an attractive guy or whomever, you know, is surface level. But now that you've experienced the surface, what's underneath? So I, I mentioned that because what are you, what are you pretty much facing in your practice? What are people coming to you in this particular time right now as it pertains to your areas of expertise
1: you know right now and even before right now the number one thing that people come in with is relationships relationship struggles relationship difficulties communication difficulties um or dating so um or even people who have a partner how how to get closer and maintain the the chemistry and the connection so relationships uh, have always been a very important piece for all of us um, I agree with you that before the pandemic, it was very easy for people to get caught up in the, the superficial pieces, right? Um, the, the chemistry and the fun and the excitement of what the person looks like or smells like and how they feel like, rather than the underlying substance, uh, the underlying compatibilities. Like I think about underlying compatibilities such as like core values. So there's qualities, there's superficial qualities, like the person is, in my, I, in my eyes, intelligent or, or interesting, or they have the same hobbies as me, or they make money, or they're attractive. These are all kind of secondary qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, I like their humor and what they're into, right? And then there's uh, more substantive values. There's there's qualities that are more about what the person stands for and what kind of partner they are. And these are underlying values, such as being honest, being consistent, being collaborative, being fair, uh, being compassionate, being empathic. Uh, in reality, these qualities, the, the more superficial qualities, the secondary ones, are much easier to change. The like couple's go in that direction anyways. When you get to know someone and you spend a lot of time with them, you kind of develop the same inside jokes or you start liking the same shows and the same music and you, you kind of enjoy the same things. And as you're getting to know each other, you show each other more of those things. If you don't think your partner is that intelligent or into the things you're into, you could educate them. It's very easy with the secondary qualities to connect. But if the person is missing very core values, Uh, There's no fixing that. If you're dating someone who's not honest, who's not consistent, who's not respectful, who's not collaborative, who's not empathic, there's nothing you could do. They're either empathic or they're not. Mm -hmm. And and, and in our modern dating, when you're getting to know somebody so quickly and on the second date you're deciding whether you're going to keep meeting them and things are moving so quickly... Uh, you miss a lot of these very important underlying values that are actually more um, important for long-term dating. So I think the pandemic is creating more norms that are more conducive towards long-term compatibility than just uh
0: quick Yeah, Yeah. What I'm hearing attraction. you say is like there's superficial qualities, which are more like uh, they're not fixed and then there's more fixed qualities. And the fixed qualities are really the core values. And if the core values don't align between you and someone else, that's where the friction occurs. And and you see this a lot in relationships where people will like deal with the friction. And then when they have children, I always feel like children amplify whatever underlying issues were there like 100%. Because all of a sudden people get pregnant, they have a child, and all of a sudden they're like, I got to get out (laughs) of this relationship. And the relationship still had the same factors before that kid got there. But I think something about... People may maybe not wanting their kids around it, or they they just can't deal with it. It's like the awareness gets even higher and higher. Um, so I like how you broke out the superficial versus the fix. If someone's in a relationship with someone and they're trying to figure out, you know, if they are compatible, and they're looking at both sides of the coin, Doctor Love, what I mean, how do you advise them if they see that the person has more of a, they're they're more tied to them superficially? So they like that they're a good provider. They like that they're intelligent. Uh, they like that they you know have certain good values because I feel like it's never black and white it's a lot of gray in relationships but yet there are definitely things you don't align on maybe it's spirituality maybe it's um, raising kids I mean but say they're in this relationship how do you advise a couple do you try to work with them on those things or do you feel like those fixed qualities if they're not consistent in certain things that are core values that is kind of the relationship is doomed what's your opinion on that
1: um, I don't think that anything makes a relationship doomed in that sense, but it does make a relationship doomed if you have one person or two people who are not willing participants in the relationship. So Even with spirituality, or the things that you enjoy, the things that you have in common, like for example, if a person has the underlying value of being cooperative and reciprocal uh, and collaborative, you could actually negotiate many things, even if the more superficial things are different. If you enjoy two different things, but you have a partner who's cooperative, you can easily negotiate something that feels fair to both partners. And so that's why it's important, uh, the underlying values are more important to be able to distinguish before you uh, make bigger commitments to the person. I think you're making a very good point that many people who are having a great time together, once a child comes into the picture, these, these underlying qualities, these underlying values come more to the surface, and then you start realizing, wow, we're not actually, we're not in alignment in these core values, mm-hmm. we, we have the same, it's easy for us to get along because we have the same superficial qualities, but when it comes to the underlying values that keep the relationship together, we're not so much in alignment. And in that situation, when you're dating someone, you want to be listening more to what they're doing than what they're saying. When people are dating, it's very easy. They want to put their best qualities out there. So this person may be saying that they're very, kind and very uh cooperative and flexible but what you want to do i I often find that when people are dating they want to put their best qualities out there and so they uh stop themselves from having too much conflict from asking for too many things from saying no from changing their mind from negotiating uh different situations like if somebody wants to go eat McDonald's at 8 p.m. You could go, I wonder if we could get pizza at 6, or if one one partner kind of goes, let's go see a horror movie. Like, there's this way in which you could be a little bit more collaborative from the very beginning and check in, like, what is this person like when I change my mind? What is this person like when I'm feeling sad? What is this person like when they're sad or they're angry? But because we spend a lot of time not rocking the boat in the beginning of a relationship, we end up not really seeing what the other person is like under different circumstances. We we could all be, um, we we could all get along very well when we're on the same page. But what, what is it like when we differ, when we have a bit of a conflict, and how do we resolve that together? So there's something about being more genuine and authentic and clear and assertive, like living your own values. Um, from the beginning of dating, and being very aware of, and are my behaviors consistent with my values? And is this, this person's behaviors consistent with their values? They may tell me that they're kind, but are they being kind to the waiter? Are they being kind to the bartender? Are they behaving in a right, kind way right. in different circumstances? I, yeah,
0: uh, yeah, go ahead. No,
2: was- no, I was just gonna say, Dr. Lev, I really like what you're saying. There are three things that you said that really got my attention. Um, when when you talk about uh, how everyone wants to put their best foot forward in the beginning, that's easy. Uh, I have a saying, uh, remove the rose petals. Now, follow me, I've said this for for years and since I've been with Elizabeth, um, she knows this. It's not to take the romance out of things, but I always say to her and I've said to others, including myself in the past and present, that time is a revealer of many things. So if people are putting on Uh, I like to say a front in the beginning, because as you stated, we all want to impress the other party in the beginning. Time will eventually reveal how comfortable they are, whether positive or negative. So I love what you said about that. Um, Because if I go my my pops, um, he was an expert when it came to soils, okay, foundation. And I can remember the first house that I purchased, um, he wanted to come over, I wanted him to come over to inspect the property. Because keep in mind, I'm using uh, an analogy as as it pertains to the physicality of things or superficial things I see this house I love it I like it I'm like yes this is the house I want to get I bring my pops over he looks at it he's not looking at the exterior because he was experienced he's looking right. at as you said he's looking at the foundational things he came he went to the back of the house I'm like where is he going he's looking at the water runoff he's looking at the slope of the property and I'm just watching him like, what is he doing and then he looked at the actual patio there's a patio there was a patio in the back he's looking at the infrastructure he's looking at if there are any cracks if there in other words he was looking okay. to see if it was a stable foundation and right. if it was a stable foundation everything else for the most part was a go because the other parts were superficial. So hearing what you're saying in relation to dating, knowing people, getting to meet people, um, that just puts me in the mind of, of a new home purchase. Okay. You you wanna see the foundation before you actually go further in with the purchase. So just, just uh really like what you're saying in reference to that.
1: I really like that analogy. That analogy actually fits in perfectly with mm-hmm. what, what I was saying, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have to make sure that once the foundation is there and the underlying values are in sync and in alignment, everything else kind of flows. Right. That's, that's correct. It's When you have that foundation, it, it's it's very stable. It's mm-hmm. not so fragile. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And I, to speak to the, the statement that you made about time, if we think about relationships beforehand, how they used to be um, – the number one predictor of whether two people will be together, whether two people will get married was proximity. Because the closer you were to the person, the more that you see them, the more time you have with them, the more you get to know about your compatibility, about seeing them in different circumstances and different situations and seeing what they're about and just being around somebody for a, a longer period of time. Uh, brings that familiarity and makes people get together I, and I think that that's the number one thing that has changed in modern dating now with technology is that the time span of getting to know somebody has shrunk like this.
0: Now it's like on speed. And I think the other piece of it with online dating, we talk about this all the time, Kay and I, is that they, people feel like they have a lot of options. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting, even though it's perceived you have more options, people still struggle to connect and have really solid relationships. Right. And I think that goes back to what you said, which is that you gotta give things time. I mean, dating is a is, is a time to trial things out. It's not a permanent fixture. It's a time to test the limits mm-hmm. in a way. And I like what you said, like testing how someone can compromise, testing how they have a disagreement with you, testing their, you're testing the values pretty much. In other words,
2: testing the pros and the cons. Right, right. You're, you're literally right. testing the pros and the cons. That's what dating is all about. So when I mentioned the term removing the rose petals, that may sound crude. What it's saying, uh, the way I've always Interpreted that to mean is what you all are are, are saying now. All right, been with you now whether it's been six months or six weeks or a year. Let's remove the romance slightly out the way because I need to see first of all how you interact in challenging times, and then I need to see how I react with you in challenging times, and then you need to see how I react in challenging times. So it's like threefold.
0: (laughs) And it makes sense because like I come from a family where a lot of people when they get married they stay married a long time. I'm divorced. Um, but I you know, my parents have been married fifty six years. Kay's parents were married over forty years and we have aunts and I have aunts and uncles who've been married forty years plus and grandparents who were married sixty years. So and just looking, I was always intrigued by their relationship dynamics and it what you're saying makes sense. When I look at my parents' relationship, they don't agree on everything. They definitely have moments where there's there's uh there's conflict or they're not on the same page, but when I look at the just the foundation of their relationship their core values are very much in alignment. And I think that's what's made the relationship last. So I, I agree with you that if that foundation is shaky, it's very difficult to build on a shaky foundation. Just like if you were building a house, just like Kate talked about, if you don't have a solid foundation, it's gonna fall down eventually, breaks down.
1: What other- right. And, and I think eventually the rose petals come off too, right? The rose colored right. sunglasses. We could yes. make that happen right away. But even if we try to keep them on, we can hold them on and run on our face, <laughs> but they're going to be coming off at some right. point. You right. can't be with someone for five, 10, 20, 30, 40 years and expect to have that right. same level of excitement as you did in the honeymoon phase. Right. So if you're, if you are just running after the honeymoon phase, then you are going to feel really distracted by people. You're going to feel like you have a lot of options because you're really wanting the honeymoon stage to um, continue and that doesn't last forever that's a very (laughs) temporary thing the excitement the roller coaster the butterflies in the stomach but when you find somebody that you're really aligned with um, then there's a way that that roller coaster could kind of come back and go away and stabilize and come back a little bit more and stabilize and you have a a better foundation Uh, it's not exciting all the time but there's still ways in which it comes back a little bit and it goes away and and, and you build something, not just based on excitement, but based on um, a real taking care of one another and growing together and progressing together in such a way where you're meeting each other's needs and you're learning to create win-win scenarios. That's foundational stuff. (laughs) Because one thing that I think that we don't have a lot of role models for, is what it looks like to be in a relationship where there's win-win scenarios where people could negotiate their underlying needs in such a way where both people get their needs met. It doesn't have to be a lose-win scenario.
0: Right. I agree. I agree. That's a dynamic relationship where you can come together and it becomes a win-win situation. You talked a lot about single people. I have uh, married listeners that listen to the show as well. What are some of the things that you're seeing as far as trends with their relationship during this time and what are the you know, things that you find are helpful um, to them?
1: I think that right now it's really
0: important to
1: normalize pieces of moments when you may be struggling with your partner because right now being stuck with someone in quarantine could feel very difficult, very frustrating. You're gonna have moments of feeling lonely and moments of feeling angry and moments of being quite annoyed with your partner. And it's really important to notice that the circumstances that we're in uh, make it really difficult and not to start seeing things as a reflection on your relationship. For example, if you're not in the mood to have sex as much or you're not in the mood to talk to them as much, or you don't feel as affectionate, um, it's kind of like when you're stuck with something, it's more difficult to desire it and want it, right? Like I love love, I love cake. I absolutely love cake, chocolate ice cream. I love all sorts of desserts. But if I'm going to like a factory and my somebody tells me, you know, we can only go to this factory if you eat every single dessert there. You have to eat every single dessert. Suddenly, I'm not going to be as excited or as desiring to eat all that dessert. There's a pressure that takes away from that desire. And so right now, that's kind of what's happening with couples. You're not choosing to see that person all the time you're feeling stuck having to do that because of quarantine, then it could bring up resentments and icky feelings. And you don't want to think about it like, is something wrong with my relationship? Am I starting to hate my partner? Is something changed here? Like nothing has changed in your relationship other than, you know, your choices have been taken away a little bit. It's a little bit harder to leave. You don't have time to miss each other anymore. You know, you're not going (laughs) and coming back. uh, And so there's a way that it's really important right now to negotiate fairly, but also to negotiate time together, time apart, and notice that you, the more stuck you feel with someone, the harder it is to have that passion or desire, right?
0: So how do you coach, uh, you know, people in a relationship around that? So if they're struggling with all those different factors, what are some things that you kind of, you know, techniques that you give them to, to help them out?
1: I Well, first, I would really want to assess what's happening. Are they getting along or are they not getting along? Are they needing more affection or less affection? Are they needing more alone time and more time together? Or is it that they're needing more um, right, like deep time together? Uh, and so I would want to understand what's happening in the relationship. And I'd want to help them, again, coming back to underlying needs, which is similar to underlying values, when you can really understand not just what you want, but what the underlying need is there's more flexibility in getting the underlying need met. Like for example, let's say my underlying need is affection and I'm needing more affection in my relationship. If I get stuck on what I want rather than what I need, I may go, I want a hug. Give me a hug. And my partner may go, I'm not in the mood for a hug. And I'm like, I want a hug. Why don't you give me a hug? You're the worst partner.
2: Talking two different love languages. You're talking two different (laughs) love languages.
1: (laughs) Or or I could go, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm needing affection. I'm feeling very lonely. I'm feeling, um, you know, insecure. Would you be willing to give me a hug? And they go, no. And then I could go, would you be willing to hold my hand? Would you be willing to rub my back? Would you be willing to uh, rub my hair? Would you be willing to give me a kiss? Would you be willing to uh, hold pinkies? I mean, the more flexible you could be on what you want, on the way to meet your underlying need, the more likely it is that you'll get your underlying need met. So I help people really distinguish between wants versus needs. Stay really rigid on your needs. Never let go of your underlying needs, like a need for affection or consistency or reciprocity or cooperation. But you have to be very flexible on the different ways that you could get that need met. Yeah,
0: I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot like focusing on you know not giving up on what you need but kind of thinking of a way to communicate it in a way that your partner can reciprocate it to you so you're you're just being a little more flexible as opposed to being demanding which usually does not get needs met (laughs) that's
1: that's exactly it Um, nonviolent communication talks a lot about that idea what is the difference between a demand and a request you know when Mm -hmm. when you're making a request you're willing to hear no, and you're not going to be attacking or punishing your partner if they say no. And if you're making a demand, you're not willing to say no. So you not, you never know whether your partner's making a request or a demand until after you respond. If you say, "Honey, my back is really hurting. I really don't I don't have the energy to give you a hug right now." and that person goes, I'm never gonna give you a hug. This is, always, this is what you always do. Do you not see how selfish you are? I'm gonna get a divorce, right? If the person is responding to you like this with, um then actually um, they didn't make a request. They made a demand.
0: Interesting. And if,
1: they go, uh, and if they go, okay, I see. I feel really hurt. I'm disappointed. But maybe, maybe you could give me a hug next week. Or maybe we can uh, kiss. Or maybe what if I give you a massage and then you give me a massage. If they could be flexible about it, then you realize that person just made a request. And you want to really be paying attention to what is their underlying need. Is there a different way that you can meet that need?
2: I have to ask um, before we come to a close, you know, everyone has a stepping stone to what their career ends up being or some experiences that they may have, you know, went through that prompted them into their careers. What was yours? I'm curious because you you, you seem to really be entrenched as it Mm -hmm. pertains to to people, relationships, healing, therapy. So not to get too personal. What was the experience or experiences that prompted you into this particular role?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that when people ask me this, they think I'm going to have a very unselfish answer. Like I wanted to help people and I wanted to solve, you know, the world's problems. But I have to say that when I first got into psychology, it was a from very selfish reasons. I wanted to understand people. I wanted to know what makes people happy. What gives people meaning and purpose? Why do they do the things that they do? Does it work for them? What works? What doesn't work? Um, I was going through a time where I was feeling a lot of existential angst and feeling really sad and wondering, what what does life mean? And what gives people purpose? And what's the point of all of this? and um, And so I really enjoy, I I feel very lucky that I get to, you know, see people on a regular basis and be in their everyday life and know what gives them meaning and purpose and happiness and what that looks like. And that I could be a part in helping them and and making them feel better in the world and helping them have more meaning and purpose. So I feel very, very lucky (laughs) to be doing what I'm doing.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. We really appreciate having you on the show. You were so helpful. I think you've given uh, our couples and singles some advice that's going to be helpful, not just during quarantine, but after quarantine. Let's not lose these lessons that we're learning because I think they're important ones. And are there any uh, projects you're working on right now that you want to share with our listeners?
1: Well, I would say that one really fun thing, if you're either single or in a relationship, is to take a schema questionnaire, which is it's a questionnaire about your core beliefs in relationships, like whether you have an abandonment schema or a mistrust abuse schema. Many women have a self-sacrifice schema. There's a subjugation schema there's an entitlement schema and so if you want to take this questionnaire that shows you what your core beliefs are in relationships and uh, what you tend to be like in relationships i would say that you could go to cbtonline.com and take that questionnaire or the bayarea cbtcenter.com and that questionnaire if I have a couple that comes into me for couple's therapy and all they do is just email me their two questionnaires, I could pretty much tell them about 90% of what happens for them in, wow. in that relationship That's just by looking at these two questionnaires. So I really encourage people to take the questionnaire and get curious about what are your core beliefs in relationships? How do you tend to behave? Because we don't just do that in one of our relationships, we do that, like our core beliefs show up in all of our relationships. Mm -hmm. And And if we're not aware of them, we create a self-fulfilling prophecy mm -hmm. in all of our relationships.
2: I was just gonna say, it kind of reminds me of a personality test that a lot of employers, Delve out now to find out what a person's real personality or foundation personality is, because you can ask them questions face to face. And again, we're, we're putting our best foot forward. Right. Even with employers. Right. Right. But When they provide that evaluation form, it's like, oh, this doesn't match up with what he or she was saying in the interview. So that's good.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. And, where, and can you uh, name your website again or your your if you have any social media uh, outlets that people can check you out on?
1: Yeah, it's bayareacbtcenter.com. So CBT stands for cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. and then we have cbtonline.com, which is also it's a cognitive behavioral therapy resources. So we have worksheets and you can find therapists all over the country. Uh, and there's videos and webinars and little little exercises that you could do on your own. Such as looking at your schemas, your core beliefs and how you tend to behave and what your triggers are and what your values might be and ways that you can behave differently in relationships.
0: Yeah, and I you know, I just wanna stress that you probably know this and you probably tell your clients this that you know, developing ourselves is just is ongoing, it never stops. Um, and that's the only way you can get better. And I think the first step is developing self awareness to your patterns of behavior. That's the only way you can change them, that's the only way you can Have better relationships because the way you interact with yourself is always going to, you know, be reflected in the relationships you have with other people. So it's so important to do this work and it's so important the work that you are doing. So, again, thank you for joining the show. Uh, We really enjoyed you. Awesome. We think our listeners will really enjoy the show. Really great topic and, uh, and information about relationships for singles and people who are in relationships as well. And so we're going to end the show on that note. Dr. Love, thanks again for joining us. Um, We will be back with future episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to our future episodes on the Anchor app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Until next time, XOXO.